For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 238 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back, and we're back, and we're back again to talk about Star Wars. Um, real quick, before we get into it, I got uh, several messages over the weekend because we got selected for an ad campaign through our hosting service. Um, Podbean offered us an ad opportunity. And they sort of inserted into the show themselves. So if you heard that, it's not, it's no big deal. We got an ad. That's pretty good for us, That's right? cool. But uh, what I will say is if this is a thing that happens regularly, um, if we continue to get them or if, you know, this goes well enough and they choose us for another one, what we're going to start doing is we'll put ad-free versions of the episodes up on our Patreon. Um, that way Patreon members don't have to hear the ad if they don't want to. There you um, go. So that's the solution to that. And we'll just see how it goes. I, you know, I don't know how long this ad's going to run. They can sort of cut it off at any time. And after it's done, I don't know if we'll get another, another one, but I'm just going to keep an eye on it. See how it goes. Um, speaking of which, if you want to support our podcast, make sure to check out our Patreon uh, it's at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast. And over there for as little as $3 a month, you get access to our Patreon exclusive RSS feed where we post all kinds of bonus shows. Jaws with me and Jesse. Oh no, it's Hall solo cooking with will blue harvest adventures, star Wars year by podcast masters of harvest. Kasi Podula Rasa, um, Steve versus the prequels. um, and maybe more that I haven't remembered and more that we have uh, going in the works. So check that out. Once again, Blue Harvest Podcast is the name of our podcast because I just fucked up the URL. It's patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. <laughs> Blue Harvest Podcast, the name of our podcast. Uh, also check out our new YouTube channel. Um, been posting a few things over there. 
just search for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. There'll also be a link in the notes to our channel. Go over there, subscribe, like videos, hit the bell icon. I don't know, man. Whatever you're supposed to do on YouTube. Well, uh, what you're supposed to do on YouTube is be a dick about Star Wars. But we're not going to be doing that over there. But we don't we don't fall in that trap. Um, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And you can email us your questions, comments, and voice messages at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. There's a little business for you guys. So how's your week been, buddy? It's been good. The weather's been kind of terrible, but the week's been good. So I was going to ask I, mean, you, I say terrible, but it, it was hot, and now it's cold and rainy, and it just can't make up its mind. Uh, I, you guys haven't gotten snow yet? No. Uh, apparently, our forecast is saying there's like a about a 30% chance of snow at 1 a.m., for us and that's not very likely but it no. would be cool to see it i uh i don't think i mean even if it snows i don't think it's gonna stick because it's not even gonna get below freezing tonight mm-hmm. um but it was weird this morning it was like no i wouldn't say hot but it was warmish outside yeah. and um before you know you and i sat down to record jesse and i went out to dinner uh for our buddy nutty brown's birthday and when we left, dude, it was cold. So the yeah. temperature is dropping fast over here. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe it will snow and the entire state of fucking Alabama will shut down. Yeah. Um, but I ain't got to drive tomorrow, so uh, no skin off my back. Alabama don't like a dusting <laughs> of snow on the ground. No. So, um, speaking of our YouTube channel, if you want to see what uh, Jesse and I were up to this weekend, I posted a little live video from the Tool concert in New Orleans that we went to. Um, man, New Orleans is an interesting place, buddy. Yep. That it is. I uh, I had one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. I also saw a dude drop trowel and take doo-doo in the broad daylight. A big old number two out in the in the wide open world. And, uh, yeah, that sure was something. Um, but I, I actually, if, uh, if we didn't just go on a, you know, a short little vacation this past weekend, I'd go to New Orleans again this weekend. I dug it. You That's know, a cool spot. I'm not going to let a dude dropping a brown snake on the sidewalk they keep me from having fun. In his defense, he is not the first person to do that in New Orleans. Mm-mm. And I know that much. Dude, uh, it, there were, it didn't happen a ton of times, but there were definitely a couple of times that it got a little bit of a pee-pee smell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I was there, I smelled that more than once. Oh, yeah. It was definitely more than once. You know the other thing that I thought, I just, I don't know that it was odd, but I was not expecting it is how openly people smoke weed in New Orleans. Interesting. So we get there, right? It's like 12.30 or 1 in the afternoon, and we have about three hours to kill before we can check into our hotel. So we decide we're going to go eat, look around a bit. 
And so we're just walking around. Um, and we, we go past this uh, kid's footlocker, right? Yeah. And as we're passing by, um, I'm like, I smell weed. The, okay, someone's smoking weed somewhere. And I thought it was off somewhere in some back alley, right? And we're sitting there waiting for the, uh, the so we can cross the street, right? And I yeah. turn around, and there's a lady just smoking a joint by the kid's footlocker. Damn. Just out in the open, right? And then the Tool concert, fucking forget about it. It was it was like Cypress Hill concert in there. I don't rent to these type of people. It, uh, dude. I, I've been to a lot of concerts in my day, right? Yeah. This was the most lax security I've ever seen at a concert. That I will have to agree. I've seen a concert at a venue in in New Orleans, and it was like people just smoked both cigarettes and marijuana through the entire show openly. I didn't see security, not once. And like, I know like smoke was pouring out of those doors every time someone went to the bathroom or something. It was so crazy. We didn't necessarily see anybody smoking cigarettes indoors, but weed all over the place. And I'm not talking like someone hitting like a little one hitter or a vape pen full on blunts. And like, I'm not sure what the legal status is in Louisiana, but I don't think it's decriminalized. So, uh, investigative journalist Jesse did some research into that while we were waiting for Tool to come on because the minute that first band, the opening band, ended, people started smoking weed. They were getting oh, ready. Wow. And she was like, what is the deal with this? And apparently, they're uh, not big on arresting for possession. There's, it's like a $40 ticket is what Jesse said. I see. It's New Orleans, I guess. It's New Orleans. New Orleans cops probably have way bigger fish to fry. <laughs> than somebody smoking a joint smoking at a, a joint. tool concert. And mainly probably drunk drivers. I bet drunk drivers mess everything up in New Orleans. But there are so many Ubers and stuff and Lyfts. I don't know why you would need to. Yeah, I mean, good. in the um, the more like party-centric areas, you didn't see a lot of people driving. Yeah. A lot more foot traffic than car traffic. And I would hope so. Let's hope the people are smart. Yeah. Um, dude, I'd be way more worried about some drunk asshole driving through New Orleans than some dude, than a lady smoking a joint outside of a, a kid's footlocker. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Tool. Maybe she should have she should have smoked it out in front of the adults footlocker. I'll yeah, we'll say that. That was my How one. How about you go thought. down to the adults footlocker? Yeah, like you're in front of the kids footlocker, just smoking out in the daylight. <laughs> <coughs> um, and you know, Tool has a pretty um, strict no camera policy during their show. Yeah, no, I man. You told me that paparazzi out in force. People film. Oh, I mean. Wow. I saw a guy in front of us that filmed the entire concert from man. That's front so to back. annoying. Um, on the phone. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, so annoying. I mean, he wasn't bothering me cause we were up in the handicap section. He was below, but I definitely took notice because for instance, last summer we went to see tool here in Birmingham and people that were next to us got kicked out for filming. Oh, wow. Yeah. So once again, it's just, I guess it's New Orleans. They're like, oh, I mean, you guys can tell everybody that they can't film, but uh, 
I don't get paid enough to be an asshole. <laughs> right. Right. So that was uh, our adventure to New Orleans. I mean, that's not all that happened. There was there was plenty other things, but that was um, all for today. That is all for today. Oh, all right. I told this story on uh, episode 200 of Rogue One this week, but I got prayed over. Really? Yeah. So Jesse and I are walking to the concert, right? And we stop at the corner across from the venue. The doors aren't open yet. There's a huge crowd outside. And we're just getting our stuff together, right? Yeah. Maybe uh, having a little special snacky snack before we go in. Right. And, you know, I'm getting my stuff out of my pockets, make the security uh, situation go a little more smoothly. And as we're sitting there, this guy comes up and he goes, hey, man, what's your name? When a stranger asks me my name, I tell him it's Richard, right? Right. I never say Halls because... Who wants to say Halls? What is that? Paul? Halls? Huh? Halls? Yeah. Halls? Well, how do you spell that? You've how seen you it happen. That? You've seen yes. it happen. And so it's much easier to say Richard. Exactly. And he goes, Richard, I'm Jason. Do you mind if I pray for you? And I go, you know, I'm being friendly, right? I, you also know me, kind of socially anxious. I'm not really looking to talk to a stranger. On you the are not the, the kind of person that is a hugger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you're not. Uh, I'll give a friend a hug. Yeah, yeah, but like personal space and like wanting to be prayed over and stuff. No, not thank me. you. You want to sit on? You don't want to be on stage in front of a bunch of folks. Uh, yeah, and everybody, you know, all these people lined up. Right, rating to get into yeah. the concert. And uh, I'm not a goose. Goose is a social butterfly. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been somewhere with my brother-in-law, Goose, that he has made instant friends with a complete stranger. Of course. That's not me. I don't have that skill set. Um, and he goes, hey, man, uh, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, man, I appreciate it. And I thought when he said this, what he meant was, Oh, tonight when I go to bed, I'll say my evening prayers and I'll throw one Richard's way. No, sir. He meant he was going to pray for me right then and there. And he tells me, I want to pray for you because I believe you can walk. And he goes, I don't know what the situation is. <laughs> he referred to my handicap as the situation. the situation. But I think you can walk and you can be healed. And then he drops, takes a knee puts his hand on my, his, my shoulder and starts praying. And then towards the end, as he's wrapping up, he's like, oh, and also, and he looks at Jesse and he goes, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. And she goes, Jesse. And he was like, also bless Jesse. <laughs> and then got up. Well, that was left. very kind. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not making fun of the dude. It was, he was being very friendly, but the it was. gesture is genuine and heartfelt, but. It is anxiety inducing. For it you. is. It is. And it's <laughs> it, it, what you said 100% genuine, heartfelt. He meant that from the bottom of his heart. And you can ask Jesse, I was nothing but extremely friendly towards him. Right. Like, I didn't like blow him off. I didn't say, like, hey, man, you're freaking me out. I was just like, yeah, thank you. You have a good night. I'm going to go into the concert now. And then as we're going, Towards the, the venue, I turn to Jesse and I go, you look, look, you know, tomorrow morning, if I wake up and start walking around everywhere, we got to go. We got to start going to church. <laughs> that's uh, that's true. That's very true. If that had been what happened. But 
so I far, told you, you'd have to become a monk. You and you'd have to pack Jesse up and be like, "Look, we're going to live at the monastery." <laughs> It'd be like the beginning of Ace Ventura too, when that uh, that guy goes in and finds him, and he's just sitting in there meditating with all the animals around him. Yep, that would be you, Walter and Dharma. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd have to do something, but. I'm here to report. Granted, it hasn't even been a week yet. Not walking yet. I gave it a couple of good tries. You know, not happening just yet. We'll see. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm holding out. You want to talk a little Star Wars? Yeah, I do. You know, I do. So uh, you and I got a chance to take the new Battlefront 2 content for a little spin this week. We did, actually. We put some good time in on it. Um, so for anybody that's not aware this Monday, I think it was, they put out a new update that added BB eight and BB nine E as heroes. And they also added, um, the sequel trilogy era to capital supremacy. That's what we tried out. I personally didn't get a chance to try out BB eight or BB nine E. I will say this. They are fucking monsters. Yeah, they are. They killed my ass several times. Me too, dude. And I, it's funny to be playing a Star Wars game and there's chaos going, pew, pew, lasers going everywhere, explosions going off. And to see a little ball droid running at you and feel absolute fear. Because you know you're about to get destroyed by this little motherfucker. It's a weird feeling. Because you you can, sometimes you don't know until he's there and you're Mm -hmm. getting shocked. Like you didn't feel him roll up behind you or whatever, and you're like, "Oh shit, now I'm dead." There's no getting back. There's no fighting him. He's so fast, he's hard to hit. Yes, and he can like move away from grenades really fast. So mm-hmm. it's really you just die. You just die. I got to say, I commend them. Um. Uh, on and choosing them to add to the heroes versus villains because. It, I wouldn't say that those are the two most likely additions, but I two love... incredibly popular character. Well, especially BB-8. You know, I don't right. know about I old BB nine E necessarily. Um, I mean, if you're gonna add a good a good ball droid, it makes sense that for balance you got to add the bad ball droid. It makes perfect sense. You're right, um, but I do commend them on on making that choice. One that you wouldn't necessarily think. Like you would think maybe. Um, from the sequel trilogy, you know, there's not a ton. I mean, they could add like Zori Bliss or Janna. That would be cool. Um, they could add Rose. They could add, there's plenty of characters that they could add, but on the bad guy side, you know, we've already got Kylo. We've already got Phasma. Who else are you going to add? You know, Hux, maybe? I guess you could add General Hux as a villain. You could. I mean, yeah, you could. Just like a souped-up officer, I guess. I never saw him do any fighting, like a single bit of fighting. Yeah, I mean that's true. That's definitely true. Um, he didn't but, even shoot himself in the leg. It's a video game, too. Like, oh, I know. I'm just playing. They I'm definitely just have. Out loud. You know, they could make it work somehow. Uh, but yeah, I'm really digging Battlefront Two lately. You and I managed to squeeze in a couple of sessions once or twice a week now, and. I just find myself really enjoying it. They were good. 
Um, and apparently next month's update is going to add original trilogy to uh, Capital Supremacy. And they're going to be bringing back the Scarif map from Rogue One. So that's cool. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any heroes or villains added in that update. If there are, I haven't seen any indication of those. But <laughs> it'll be neat to finally have all three eras in Capital Supremacy. Because I really like that game mode. And it, it was cool playing as uh, the clones and the droids. But it would have been... It's nice to have the variety thrown in Absolutely. The the clones and the droids, it just definitely left you feeling like, man, I want to be more. Because you can be more in the other uh, game modes. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it, it was cool that it switched it up on Capital Supremacy as well. Um, our a friend of the podcast, Aaron Boyd, we were talking about it today, and he had the best idea to add Gungans on the Republic side. Oh, that would be cool. Right? That would be They could so be good cool. melee warriors. Like, you could put them... Uh... Or even add them as one of the specialty classes <laughs> that you can spend... That's your... what I thought you meant. Yeah, I think Aaron meant as just, like, a replacement for the clone troopers, like a, like which a, I would yeah, do. Yeah, like a skin or something, like a... Yeah. Type. Um, um, they could be... You know how, like, the, um, the commando droid is really melee-focused? And the spy yeah. in, uh, is really melee-focused. The Gungans would be cool because they, I mean, as far as I know, they throw down hand-to-hand with those big shields and the, I never know what to call those balls. I end up calling them jujubes, but they're the not. Boomers. Boomers. The big bada boomers. Big bada boomer. There you go. Um, I know hasn't a boomer! Um, <laughs> stubble. 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 Um, yeah, I could see a really cool way you could integrate the Gungans into there somehow. I mean, hell, we have a mode where we can play as Ewoks, so. Yeah, right. Give us right, like Right, which is a brilliant addition game type, by the way. Mm-hmm. That was, that was primo. Yeah. That was big brain thinking right there. I think that they was could add a really cool Battle of Naboo mode. Like, even make it its own yeah. separate mode that's, that's Gungans I mean, versus Gungans and battle droids you could just reskin the clone troopers as gungans and let them have guns who cares like they don't have, and like all you know all you all your grenades could be boomers and they could still have guns who gives a shit yeah perfect uh in like yeah love this idea will wonderful idea um they should really get on that. It's your idea. I'm just really. Up. It's it's Aaron Boyd's idea. We're it's just Aaron Boyd's on. idea, and we are riffing and broad stroking. Broad stroke Aaron Boyd all day. You like that, didn't you? <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. Um, Star Wars Resistance. So for the past two weeks, I've been saying, oh, we're gonna. I'm going to get caught up on Star Wars Resistance and we're going to talk about the entirety of season two. Well, I got like three or four episodes left. I did some work this week and caught up on a good bit of it, but we're not going to talk about the finale just yet. The last few episodes. Um, I'll say this though. I watched several, several episodes today, eight, nine episodes. And I found a lot to like in each one of those episodes. I think there's some really cool stuff in season two. Um, I saw I'm glad you feel that way because I feel that way as well. The episode it, 
where it felt like it hit its stride. It's so disappointing that it's the end. Yeah. And the episode where they find the lady that's hunting Sith relic relics in the Sith temple. Yeah. Like that's, I thought that was a really cool episode. Uh, I like that character quite a lot. She showed up in another episode, like a couple after that. Things Uh, like that help validate some of the Sith stuff in rise of Skywalker for me. Yeah, and I also liked her detail about how a lot of Jedi temples are built on top of Sith temples. And the um, character, I think it's Ayla. It's Kel and Ayla are the two like Force-sensitive kids mm-hmm. that were introduced in the first season. Um, she's like, why would they do that? And she explains that it was like a cleansing ritual, which I like that detail. I think that's a neat detail that the Jedi would would build a temple on top of like an ancient Sith temple to like cleanse the area. Yeah. Um, and it also sort of lines up pretty cool with the idea that there's a Sith temple, like way deep below the Jedi temple on Coruscant. Um, yeah. And especially cause Coruscant, you know, you, there's so much to build. Mm-hmm. If you're on the surface of Coruscant where the Jedi temple is located, you know, there's probably, you know, two or three or even four more basically surface crusts beneath you worth of city. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I really wish, um, cause I, I, from what I understand, there was going to be like a Sith temple arc for the clone wars. I believe where they sort of explored the Sith temple beneath the, the Jedi temple on Coruscant or maybe Palpatine was going after something under there or something. It was one of the arcs they never got to made make and uh, seemingly also not part of this last season that's coming out this month. Um, in 15 days, no less, which is not far from now. Um, but yeah, I thought that was sort of an interesting detail um, and wish they had gotten a chance to explore that in Clone Wars because that'd be neat to see. Yeah. Um, and then it's also kind of fucked up, right? That after Order 66 and the like creation of the Empire, Palpatine turns that Jedi temple into his palace. So it's like there's a Sith temple. They build a Jedi temple on top of it to sort of do a cleaning, cleansing ritual. And then Palpatine comes in and makes his um, uh, palace on top of that. That's kind of... I mean, what what's better than corrupting what is most pure? Right. You know, it's that's a very Palpatine thing to do for sure. Right. Um, what other episodes did I see in um, Resistance that I thought were really good? Um, there was oh the episode where the pirates uh, purchase all the um, battle droids. Yeah, from Sidon Athano, the Crimson yes. Corsair. Yep. Man, I like that character. I mean, and I was all worried about um what was his name? The Nikto. Niku. Niku. I was all worried about Niku. I was like, how the hell is Niku getting out of this? He had it under control the whole time. Had it, you know, knew what he was doing. Dude. Was a badass. It had one of my favorite lines in the show cuz it kind of pokes fun at some of the more slapsticky elements in the show. You know, yeah. stuff that tends to not be my favorite parts, but in the end of that episode, when it's revealed that like, um, they chose him to be a spy to spy on the pirates and figure out what they're up to, he was like, "Well, I learned how to be a spy from you, Kaz." 
And Kaz That's is like, really sweet. Yeah, Kaz is like, oh, thanks, man. And he was like, yeah, I just uh, followed your lead and uh, acted like I didn't know what I was doing and I was extremely clumsy. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. That's a good line. <laughs> that is funny. I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Kaz doesn't do that on purpose, but it does lend credibility to his not being a spy. He kind of seems like an idiot. Also, like Niku becoming friends with that battle droid B1. Yeah. I thought he that got was cool. Destroyed, didn't he? So maybe he got messed up. I mean, Niku could fix him. I'm sure. I don't know. Um, the la- very last episode I watched is where they found that planet Eos, where they were gonna relocate the Colossus to the 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 water planet with like the um, aquatic race, mm-hmm. and one of those guys like got B one with like a electro staff. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen past that, but. He didn't look like he was in good shape then. That's um, what I thought I remembered. The uh, the episode with the Guavian Death Gang was cool. Like I like yes. that they're one of the things I like about Resistance is, and it's kind of a small thing, but you see a lot of like, um, original trilogy and prequel trilogy aliens show up, and the sequel trilogy aliens like. In the sequel trilogy itself, it seems like they focused a lot on new alien designs. We didn't see, you know, Rodians or Twi'leks or Snaggletooths or Aqualishes yeah. or any of those, right? We saw a lot of, like, new stuff. And it's ni- ni- neat to see all the aliens sort of integrated into one thing like that. I think that's pretty well done and then to see designs like the guavi and death gang show back up their ships looked cool as hell having sidon athano show back up uh even though he's barely in the episode like that design is so fucking cool and you know um i didn't notice it until several viewings of the rise of skywalker but he's in the final celebration so he shows up and helps the resistance yeah so is he known for like pulling fast ones? Like he sold them the droids, but they needed work or whatever. They were kind of busted. Right. Is like he known for pulling tricks? So I'll be completely honest. There was a short story about him that came out either right before The Force Awakens or after, and I never read it. So I'm not familiar with that piece of information about him. All I know about the dude is he was gonna hop he was gonna let Finn hop a ride with him in the force awakens when Finn wants to leave and run. Was away he from- missing a leg then? No. Okay. I thought, I thought one of those two aliens was like missing. It was on like a peg leg. Maybe but the other it's one It's been is. a while since I've seen the force awakens. Anyway, I was wondering if something <laughs> bad happened to him that I didn't know about in between those times. And then we see him in resistance and he's selling those droids to the pirates. And then we see him in the final celebration and, the rise of skywalker so those are really my only three is he like just basically an arms dealer smuggler a pirate he's they call him the crimson corsair which i think is a, little a badass bit of, name a little bit of everything yeah, yeah that's a little bit of an everyman um but yeah dude i i find that show really enjoyable and um i'm looking forward to see how it all wraps up i feel like at this point there's gonna be a few things that don't get touched on again that I'm interested in. Like, I don't know that they're really going to do anything with the artifact lady. Um, the artifact. I think lady. her name might be. Mac- oh, 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 
Michaela Gray yeah. or whatever. Like the Obi Wan Kenobi kind of vibe she gives off. I don't know. It's a it's a little more hippie laissez faire than Obi Wan Kenobi, but she's wise in the yeah. force. Yeah, and, and and like I was glad to see her show back up again in the episode about Kaz having the curse put on him. Yeah. Um, maybe not my favorite episode, but it wasn't bad, and I liked her part in it all. Um, I like that she's sort of set up on the Colossus as a fortune teller. I think that's a neat idea. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I necessarily see much happening with her. Um, at this point, I'm expecting the Tam thing to be resolved by the end because already, I mean, in every single, she's not in every single episode I watch, but every one she's featured in, like, they're already building up to her not being real cool with going with what with what's going on in the first order. Like she helped um, Kaz and Niku escape from the other refueling station that looks like the Colossus. I think it's called the Titan. Yeah, and some other things. And fucking old Jace Rucklin. I hate that dude, man. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Um. Oh, uh, Tora's mother showing up in that one episode was pretty cool. I yep. like her droid that's all busted up that she uses as like, like she makes him play dead and stuff so she can escape. Like once again, yeah, like, that was she's good. good. Yeah, she's a slippery snake. And I also liked um, the detail about uh, how her and um, Captain Doza met where she was part of the rebellion and he was part of the empire and she helped convince him to defect. Um, and then when the first order started amassing forces and stuff, she joined the resistance and he didn't want to join. He was like, dude, I'm done with war. Um, like there's just some really cool little character moments and little story ideas in there that keep me fairly engaged. I, I don't think it has the same weight necessarily that something like Clone Wars or Rebels does as far as like um continuous storytelling. Yeah. Um but I still find it perfectly enjoyable. Um and and I really dig it. Oh, Bounty Hunter guy. That two little episode that like two episode arc where the resistance spy um, sends out the message and they go to find him and it's like a trap and there's that bounty hunter in that badass armor. Yes. Cool, man. There's some cool stuff in there. I Very hope cool. um, once both seasons are up on Disney Plus, some more people decide to give it a try and check it out. Because I feel like it's a fairly underrated show. I, f- I mean, I know it's supposed to be stopgap. I feel like there was a lot of I mean, the rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian combined consumed every bit of Star Wars oxygen that there was to be had. So, I, I mean, mean, for me, especially because like I fell behind on resistance. Something had to give. Yeah. I'm watching Mandalorian. I'm podcasting, trying to do uh, go see Rise of Skywalker a bunch, play Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, watch The Witcher and anything else not Star Wars related and something fell to the wayside and it was Resistance. Which is sad. Yeah, but I I do feel like it's pretty underrated and there's uh, some good show in there. I 
I do wish Hasbro had supported that show a little better with merchandise because seeing some of these characters in these vehicles, there's so much cool stuff that right. they could have pr- produced. Merchandising potential here, man. And if this show had been on during the Clone Wars era, like, dude, they did so much merchandise for Clone Wars. Granted, yeah. Clone Wars had the benefit of being the only new Star Wars on at the time. It didn't have to right. compete for shelf space with theatrical releases and live action TV and video games and all that. It was it pretty much had the spotlight all to itself. It did. It had the benefit that way. Um, but yeah, excited to wrap up the season. I'll probably finish up the last few episodes tomorrow and we'll cover those next week that'll be a good time and then um looking forward to seeing what's next for star wars animation oh what'd you think about frankie the hut frankie the hut they go to the casino planet that hype wants to go to yes and there's uh frank i mean maybe it's not frankie maybe i'm getting his name wrong but there's the hut that owns the casino and he, and he keeps them. trying to get them to stay there. Yeah, and he keep they keep racing. It was like the only episode this season that's really featured any of the racing stuff. Um, and yeah, and he keeps having them race, and they lose, and then... <clears throat> um, I remember that now. He, uh, he was a good representation of a hut. A hut doing business out yeah, in the galaxy. But not, not secluded, basically. Not this, like a little bit of a different take on a hut. Like, he wasn't like over the top like zero and he wasn't like straight up gangster like job of the hut you know he was kind of like you know kind harvey weinstein-ish uh, that might be a little brutal <laughs> i mean he's definitely slimy but i don't know if he's that fucking dude it might be a little harsh on frankie buddy <laughs> poor frankie i don't see frankie faking needing a walker going to court every day Oh, his poor back. Oh, his, my poor back. His back was crushed under the weight of his guilt. Oh, I trust me. I know when someone needs a, an assistance aid, that buddy, he's bacon. Also, like, look, I, you know, everyone deserves their day in court, but the man's guilty as hell. Like, the man's guilty as hell. Like, when this many people come out and they're like, you know, they, I, he, yeah, yeah, you know, what a shit bag. I, like I said, though, everyone deserves their day in court and he will have his. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he is apparently going to try to act, <laughs> act can, like his back. He can is shuffle his way on two tennis balls all the way across there as he needs to. All right. So what else do we have news? Really just one more thing. Uh, so this Tuesday, the fourth was the Disney earnings call. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks saying that, um, you know, maybe this is where we would get some news on upcoming star Wars. Cause it's happened before. It's not the most common thing. Um, but it has happened and turns out we didn't get much. Uh, the main takeaways from the earning call earnings call was they were, happy with the performance of the rise of Skywalker at the box office. They had a really good year financially and rise of Skywalker was a big part of that. 
Um, they also mentioned, re-mentioned that, you know, Mandalorian Season 2 is coming. They gave us a date, not a date, but a month. It's coming out in October. So it's coming out a little earlier than it did last time. Um, and he mentioned that they have two other series in production, Cassian and Obi-Wan, with others being worked on. So there's, okay. you know, other live action series or animated series or whatever um, in various states of production for Disney+. Plus. <clears throat> and he also mentioned, this seems to be the biggest takeaway that people were sort of latching onto um, is that the possibility is there that they're thinking about how they could introduce characters into the Mandalorian and then those characters could get their own spinoffs. That would be neat. Yeah. And I think we've already seen a couple of opportunities to do something like that in the show. Oh, right. Already. Cara Dune. I mean, Cara Dune. Yeah. And people fell in love with um, old, uh, oh man, the guy that died. Queel? Queel. I know you couldn't have a whole show about Queel, but the emotional connection that people felt to him was, was really potent. good. I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, I know that's engineered, and I know that's when he dies. That's why it becomes valuable. But it was good. He was a character that people connected with. Yeah, from the get go, you know. From I mean, he provided us with the first catchphrase of the show. I have spoken. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Cara Dune, um, maybe Fennec Shand. I know she didn't do a whole lot in episode five. But I also don't know that she's necessarily out of the picture. She, there's no way you you make it that obvious that someone saved her, and say she's out of the picture. Like well, she's coming back, and it, she would be cool to have her own show. Yeah, a, a badass assassin. Hell, you could do. Uh, what's the the Bill Burr could have his own show. The like the the dirty ones, the renegades. Yeah, that whole crew. Um, now you mentioned it. The feet that came up to save or check out Fennec Shand. Mr. B. Fett, we're hoping. Mr. One, Big Bad Boba. Eh. Let's give him a spinoff show, guys. Come on. Spinoff show. Let's do it. And you can build to him putting his old armor back on. Fuck yeah, you can. Fuck yeah, you can. Look, that's that's what I want. Anybody that's listening to the show should know that's what I want. Do I think it's going to happen? I think that's him in the show, and I think we'll probably see him in The Mandalorian. But I don't know that they'll necessarily give him a spinoff. I would be so happy. And I'll tell you why is I wonder if there would be some sort of confusion um, among more casual Star Wars fans and, like, your general audience. If two of your Star Wars live action TV shows, the lead is a guy in Mandalorian armor, does that become a little too samey at the at that point, you know what I mean? Obviously I don't the know, stories man. Be- I I think you're going I think they're looking for what works. And it might be a little samey if you got two Mandalorians, but Again, this is Boba Fett we're talking about. I know. I mean, he's the original Mandalorian. He was the one that was popular before this one existed. I, 
He's Trust the me. reason this one is allowed to be popular. I know. I know. I know. Look, man, you're speaking to the choir here. Without my man Boba, we don't get a pre Vizsla or a Bo-Katan or all these badass characters that have been uh, introduced. Sabine, uh, the Mandalorian, the Armorer. Like, we don't get all these badass characters without him. But I just know there also has been... I don't know, like, an, a major amount of confusion, but I have seen people question, like, is this Boba Fett? Is this the guy from the movies when talking about the Mandalorian? Um, yeah. I just, hey, look, I want it all day. I just wonder if that would be a factor in keeping them from doing that, you know? I just, I think Disney's going to quickly approach a time, and it may already be here where they got to leave that thinking in the past. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, are we, is this still appeal you know appealable to i say appealable is it still gonna appeal to a larger casual star wars audience you have to let that go i mean you're gonna have so much content they can jump in where they fit in and if you make good quality stories with good beginnings middles and ends it won't matter if you've seen the stories before this just like with the mandalorian well-told stories yeah you don't have to necessarily have context and backstory to begin a new story with brand new characters i i totally agree i i think you're right on with that um i guess it's just a waiting game at this point Uh, i do think it's interesting that the mandalorian's coming out in october because uh the first marvel series falcon and the winter soldier starts in august so to me this seems like they are gearing up to do like the nonstop onslaught of original programming on Disney plus where once August hits, we get Falcon and the winter soldier, which will probably lead right into when the Mandalorian starts. If it's eight episodes or so, you know, that's about two months worth of Falcon and the winter soldier. October comes around. We get eight months of, or eight months. I wish eight weeks of, Mandalorian season two, and then they've said that uh, WandaVision, the show with the Scarlet Witch and the Vision, starts at the end of this year. So it probably goes Falcon and Winter Soldier, Mandalorian, WandaVision, all in a row. And then leads into next year, and so on and so forth. So it seems like they are gearing up to have some sort of, you know, nerd-based original programming available constantly. Um, Yeah. Which, if they want to sustain Disney Plus and keep subscribers subscribed and keep uh, people coming back, that's definitely what they need. They need original programming. I honestly, like, had I not paid for a year of Disney Plus, I don't necessarily know that I would have kept the subscription between Mandalorian and Clone Wars. I might have turned it off for a couple of months. Interesting. Um, But since I paid for it in advance, I'm still watching it here and there. Yeah. I watched the Lion King movie, the new one. Yeah. Did you watch that? No, I haven't seen it yet, but... uh... I, Aladdin was to me so bad that it kind of put me off. I'm scared to watch the other live action ones. I got you. Um, 
And it, it's, you know, I'm sure Aladdin was okay, but Aladdin was one of my great ones as a kid. And to me, that live action one did it no justice at all. But the Mulan one coming up looks killer, you know, but there won't be any Mushu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, those trailers for Mulan look pretty sick. Right. I, the first time I saw a trailer, before I realized it was Mulan, like I was looking at Jesse going, whatever this is, we got to see this, right? Yeah. She's like, I think it's Mulan. And that's what it turned out to be. Uh, I'll say this, The Lion King, I'm glad I watched it. The The CGI, the special effects are incredible. But I don't ever see myself going back to that version. Lion King is my favorite Disney movie, so... If I want to watch a dis, uh, watch The Lion King, I'm just going to watch the original. Agreed. You know, and like, I, I may have said this before in some other context, but this, the new live-action Disney remakes, I know they're needing to make some money. I know they're popular. Some of them are well done. But it's one of those things where we're asking, you know, mankind was asking if they could, not if they should. You know, like... I mean, they... Uh, I don't know if there's been one that hasn't been pretty financially successful for them. I don't follow them super well or how they do, but like I know the Jungle Book did well, Lion King did well. Um, uh, Beauty and the Beast was like well. one of the first ones did great, and that was uh, actually pretty good. Lady and the Tramp is on there on Disney Plus now, but I didn't remember it coming out in theaters. It didn't. That's a Disney Plus original. Okay, well, there's in uh, Angelina Jolie's. Maleficent movies. Right. It's basically Sleeping Beauty. You know, prequels to Sleeping Beauty. I assume they're going to get around to making Sleeping Beauty. You would think if as much as they had Angelina be Maleficent, right? Like, I guess. I mean, they do big business for them. And, and you they can redid Cinderella, right? I think so. You can see the strategy behind it where you take this beloved animated film that's got like generations of fans and you do it in this live action format to introduce it to a new crop of fans you know and well they, it also makes sense because they're fairy tales right right there's they're grim and hans christian anderson fairy tales basically and there are lots of different versions the, the original ones are much much darker so it makes sense that you can tell fairy tales in different ways. But where I think some of them have gotten stuck, and where I think the Aladdin one tied itself in knots, was trying to be true to the original Aladdin and trying to be different at the same time. You know, like trying not to just do a live-action Aladdin, but make it a little different in feel. And uh, some of the actors are bad. And the musical numbers are bad. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'll say this. Uh... I think my biggest takeaway, and it's probably just from 20 years or however long The Lion King's been out of watching the original, like uh, the songs didn't have the same oomph to them that the originals does. That's a, a takeaway I had from The Lion King one. Right. Because like I, I don't know if you know about this, Will. But I'm a big fan of I Just Can't Wait to Be King. I love that song. Oh, shit. Everybody saying do this. Um, be there. Uh, I just didn't get the same enjoyment from them in this one. They're not, like, poorly done or poorly performed. It's just, uh, I don't know. 
It's one of those things where I'm just so used to the other one. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's like, I, I get that you can. You can and they're beautiful. But should you? Should you really remake those I mean, movies? There is no doubt that the effects in The Lion King are phenomenal. Bar none. I mean. Superm. John Favreau knows how to fucking tell some special effects artists what to do with CGI. But, and it's, it, look, it's, uh, it's the result of being, it's a stylistic choice. The original hand-drawn animated version of The Lion King is much more expressive. It's It's a cartoon. That's how it is. With this, they're trying to make realistic animals or looking animals yeah right. emotes so they don't go as over the top with the reactions and and scenarios and stuff so all right well that's been our fucking live action disney talk chatter you know what i want before we jump into emails we're what doing all these live action disney movies live action kingdom hearts make it happen hell yeah you kidding me you talking about something that lends itself to the premise between Detective Pikachu and like Guardians of the Galaxy, you should have some big old balls to do Kingdom Hearts. Did you watch? Have you seen Detective Pikachu yet? No, I haven't. All right, buddy. I hear that it's really good though. It is really good. I couldn't believe how much I liked it. I'm not the world's biggest Pokemon fan. You know, I have Neither, nothing. We're too old it. for Pokemon. You know, uh, one of I was at a table and the waiter comes up and he was like. Oh, some of the yada 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 scarred me like my childhood. Like my game died before I just completed my Pokédex, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like it sucks." Uh, but I was thinking in my mind, "That dates you, bro. You're you're my little brother's age." Well, see, I I've... was uh, I could not do the, I could do it. My brother loved it, and it was a fun Game Boy game. But dude, I didn't spend more than thirty minutes playing Pokemon on that Game Boy. Like there were some kids that collected them all. Trust me. I, I love the concept. What I have played of the games, I enjoy. It's I have nothing against it. It's just I didn't get on it, get in on it at the ground level, so I right. don't have years and years of juvenile uh, by design. You weren't the target audience when it came out, and I, and I don't have years and years of like uh, affection for Pokemon that a lot of fans have built in. But you know, I'm familiar with some of the characters and different Pokemon. To be honest, most of my affection comes from Super Smash. Super Smash yeah. Brothers, like the Pokemon I came across in there. Uh, but I really enjoyed De Detective Pikachu. I thought it was really good. Uh, totally worth an hour and a half, two hours, however long it is. But dude, how great would a Kingdom Hearts movie be? I would be all over it. I would love it. Do you think Square Enix would sign off on that, or would they make it like super involved and confusing like Final Fantasy the movie. So I don't know man. I think Square and Disney have a pretty good re working relationship ever since Kingdom Hearts came out in 2001 or 2002 whenever it came out. Um so I think they might be on board. You know it'll be the the real litmus test is when the Super Mario Brothers movie comes out next year. I forgot there was a Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. It's not live action, is it? No, it's computer gen it's like computer right. animation, 3D animation. That's the way you gotta go. For sure. For Mario without a doubt. 
if that comes out and does big numbers, if it's the first really big video game movie, because we haven't had that yet. We're starting well, to see... There video- was, like... Go ahead. In, in the early 2000s, there was, like... I guess the beginnings of a renaissance and then it like fell on its face because Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider movies got big. But like that's the last thing I remember, like big video Decently. game movie. The first one did okay. I don't think the second one did well. Um, but you're starting to see like The Witcher was pretty yes. popular. Um, so, you know, you get The Witcher, Mario okay. comes out. If it's successful, what's going to happen is studios will start looking into how can we adapt these video game properties into movies? And you got to think eventually Disney's going to be like, oh, wait. So we have these fairly popular games, Kingdom Hearts. They're pretty niche, but they're also on the popular side of niche. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And we could use all these characters. Like, it's a, a Wreck-It Ralph type situation. Where they they had that movie where they could bring in all kinds of characters and cross them over and stuff, right? I could see them wanting to do it eventually, dude. It would be cool if Ralph showed up in the Mario Brothers movie. I don't think that's a possibility because I believe it's Universal doing the oh the Mario Brothers, yeah, and and Wreck It Ralph is Disney, so. I just remember that Bowser was in there. Mm-hmm. Bowser was in the the villains' lounge. Yeah. So. And Bison. Alrighty. Uh, you want to jump into some emails and voice messages? Yep. All right. Let's do that. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box Kia D. Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead! He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty! Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty! Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! All right. First up, you know who it is. It's the king of all times, King Tom Chansky. Royalty. Question for you about the rise of Skywalker. In the scene on the Death Star, when Kylo first shows up, he grabs the Wayfinder that fell out of Rey's hand, and he tells her that she can't go back to Leia. What exactly does he mean by that? Is he trying to say that because Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter, that you know, Leia wouldn't want anything to do with her? I mean, I know Kylo incorrectly believes that his parents have turned their backs on him. But surely he can't be naive enough to think that the daughter of Darth Vader would not want to associate with Rey just because of her lineage. Or is Kylo trying to say that 
you're, you're not going back to her because you failed? Or is it like a tough way of saying you're not going anywhere because you're coming with me? It's just something on repeated viewings I've been trying to figure out what exactly it means. And kind of just, I just want to say, I'm, I'm glad that Kylo turned back to Ben and got redeemed. But at the same time, throughout this movie, he was a huge dick to Ray. You know, she's been chasing this wayfinder for the, you know, the past few hours, I guess. That's, you know, because they, they only have 18 hours or, what, 16 hours to find Sheev. And he crushes it right in front of her. And then earlier in the movie, you know, he says he's going to find her and turn her to the dark side. I know they have a bond. I know they're the only people in the galaxy who understand each other. But he he's just a dick to her. And I am glad that Kylo died and at least a kinder Ben came out because of it. Anyway, just thinking of that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast. I will talk to you two later. Thanks, buddy. What do you think Kylo means when he says that to Ray on the Death Star? Uh, I think it's a manipulation ploy. He's still on his join me and rule the galaxy yeah, shit. That's the main feeling that I get is that maybe he doesn't even think she can that she can't go back to Leia is that he wants her to think that. Yeah, so he wants her to think, stay. Yeah, don't that she, go. That she'll think he's the only option. That going right. with him to Exegol is the only option she has. Um, now, what is he using as the basis behind that? It could be the Palpatine thing, where he thinks that, um, or he's saying like she would be ashamed or nervous or scared. Right. Right, but King Tom brings up a really good point. Why would the Darth, daughter of Darth Vader, and clearly he doesn't realize that Leia already knows, because they established just not long after that that Leia knows. That. I think Leia and Luke both knew, right? Yeah, they did. Um, they knew she was in hiding, right? Mm-hmm. And right before he crushes the wayfinder i can't remember the exact line of dialogue but he says something to the effect of like look what you've become or or you've changed or something and i think maybe what he means is like you can't go back because you've touched the dark side or you have the dark side in you because of the palpatine thing or something i don't really know but maybe it's what he felt at the time you can't go back you're too far gone. Yeah. You've done something he's... you've done something too bad. They won't take you back. But she hasn't done anything bad at that point. <sighs> Just by being a palpatine being who you yeah. are. That's kind of what he that's kind of what how Snoke got him. Yeah. I mean it could be uh he's projecting, right? He's, he's projecting, projecting precisely how he feels about the whole situation onto Ray. Um Join me in my Abusive boyfriend misery. <laughs> Who knows, man? But I think it's probably most likely one of those things. All right. Let's see up next. We got uh, our buddy Jim. Let's hear what he has to say. What's up, Hawes and Will? I uh, was thinking about the Colossus and the Fireball and all the ships in that Resistance show. And honestly, I probably haven't watched the last six or seven episodes but uh, I plan on it uh, Eric Struthers have been, has been keeping me filled in 
but I heard how they show up in Rise of Skywalker. I've uh, looked a little bit, but I haven't seen any of the footage or, like, you know, some red circles around the ships and the giant picture, but I'd love to, and it's crazy that the continuity of it is more exciting than the damn show, and I'm just curious why... I, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'd like to show tons, uh, tons of tons of parts of it. Um, it's uh, since I knew it was the end, and uh, the bad motivators weren't too thrilled with it. I just sort of ah, I know I'm, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of Star Wars to be watched. Um, anyway, uh, why is the continu- Why what is our obsession with continuity, and why do we enjoy it so much? Uh, I just I don't understand. I mean, because I would love that if I saw the Colossus, I'd be like. Fuck yeah, check it out. Miko's on there. Uh, you know, I mean, CB23, all this, you know, I mean, wh- why why do we love it so much? And uh, is it wrong? <laughs> all right, guys. You have a great evening. Ignite the green. Um, I First of all, it's not wrong. Yeah. It's never wrong. That's what I was going to say. I don't think enjoying continuity in something you enjoy uh, is wrong because... It, to me, it just makes the universe feel way bigger. Like, it's, like, one of my favorite gaming moments ever, right, was the very first time I played Knights of the Old Republic, right? And at right. some point in that game, I found Ulick Keldroma's lightsaber as, like, a, a rare piece of loot that I found on a quest or a side And that would be a relic. Yeah. And the fact that this game I'm playing referenced my favorite Star Wars comic series. You knew precisely who that was. Right. And, you know, someone who'd only ever played Knights of the Old Republic would just be, oh, I found this badass lightsaber. And that's totally cool, too. But I think it just... (laughs) I think the reason people are attached to continuity and like this sort of thing is it makes it feel like it's all one big universe. It's a story. Humankind have been drawn to stories before we could read or write them mm-hmm. around campfires. Right. And that's what these are. These are mythologies and stories and continuity just basically helps us keep what's the true version of the story. Because there are all these different other media connected to this world that aren't necessarily canon or uh, not canon. What was the word we were just talking? Continuity. Um, and there's also fan fiction. You know, there's all these. So it's keeping with continuity isn't bad. It, it helps you keep what the what the the truth of the story is, and not the speculations or the video games or the comic books or whatever. Right, and and I think when you do things like have the ghost show up in rogue one and rise of skywalker or have um uh you know the three fighter starfighter racer ships show up in rise of skywalker or have uh robot legs darth maul show up in solo what i think is appealing to people uh, about that and and i get it and i feel it too is it makes it feel like those things, it, it gives more credence to, oh, these really happened in the universe. Because, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, there's there's people engage with Star Wars in different ways. Like, uh, 
Some people really love writing. The books are their main thing. Some people, the animations, they're the, the main thing they're into. But you also can't deny that the theatrical releases seem to hold a little more, I guess you'd say, like subconscious weight to them. So to see those things acknowledge elements from these other pieces of Star Wars continuity just feels nice. It makes it feel connected. And I know Star Wars isn't always the best about um, making sure those connections are super smooth and stuff. But I think it's just a nice acknowledgement of the other aspects of the Star Wars universe that don't get the same attention as the movies do. That's exactly what it is. It gives credibility yeah. <clears throat> to those other works in the world. You know, it's it's a nod to yes, this actually does happen. You know, these other things that that we have stories about in the Star Wars world are connected and you know, they are there for these other big moments, you know. You know, it it like I said adds credibility and acceptance of those other stories that yes, they're interconnected. This world is woven together. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just appealing. And one of the examples that struck my mind when you were talking about it was like my dad, who is a casual Star Wars fan, um, was talking, when uh, when Solo came out, he was like, yeah, and I saw Darth Maul at the end. He's like, he had robot legs. He's alive and he's got robot legs. And so, you know, I had to explain him, you know, being Darth around. Maul's reappearance and the Clone Wars and what he's up to and all that. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, that." And he's like, "Oh, it was, that's kind of neat." Like, I didn't think you'd come back. You know, like to me, who's like, "Why would they make that decision?" You know, that's so left field. My dad, who only ever saw the demise of Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, was like, "Oh, they brought that guy back. Oh, right. He survived apparently. That's neat." Yeah, and, and you know, that's also the risk you run. You know, uh, you run the risk of confusing people. But I wonder. Nobody. He wasn't upset about it. it right. Was my thing. Like he was just like, oh, that's that's cool. They brought him back. I just wonder what the um, general statistics are on putting Darth Maul in Solo, right? And then how many people, like your dad, that didn't know that and had that explained to him, or they looked it up online, were like, oh, I should check out the Clone Wars. Does that lead to more people I checking wonder. out the Clone Wars? I don't. Know. I wonder. My buddy Gray, I was talking to Gray about Rise of Skywalker, and he was like, he said something and was like, yeah, and Anakin never had a Padawan. I was like, well, except for Ahsoka. He was like, who? Who, who is Ahsoka? And I had to explain to him who Ahsoka was in the Clone Wars and, you know, how he should watch the Clone Wars because, you know. I bet you Gray would dig the Clone Wars. He would. He would, especially the later season. And he was like, well, what happened to her? I was like, well, she's not a Jedi anymore. She got accused of something. And uh, the Jedi's were like, "Oh, my, our bad," and she was like, "No, nah, fuck y'all, I'm out, I'm bounce." Yeah, that was the Cliff Notes version I gave him. But uh, another, like a casual Star Wars fan who doesn't know anything about Ahsoka, you know, but she is an incredibly popular character. Yeah, right on. All right, <clears throat> next up we have an email from our buddy Tyler, fellas. I have a collecting question for you. Ever since watching the opening scene of the first episode of The Mandalorian, I've wanted to get my hands on a Black Series figure of the Mando. Unfortunately, I've not been able to find one anywhere except eBay where the prices are naturally inflated. 
Do you have any knowledge as to what is going on with this figure? Apart from the limited carbonized edition figure, has it just not come out yet? Appreciate the input. Tyler should have come up from with a more Star Warsy email name from Georgia. Oh yeah, Georgia. Um so buddy, the regular version of the Mando, he's out. But that is one of, if not the most, in-demand figures right now. So what you're coming across is um, a high-demand figure. That's why they're so inflated on eBay. And that's why they're so expensive is because that's the figure everybody's after. It it happens. Uh, I wouldn't say it happens with every wave of Black Series, but it definitely happens from time to time. Um, your best bet would be to check online toy stores, Dorkside Toys, Big Bad Toy Store, Entertainment Earth, places like that, Amazon even sometimes, um, and watch for them to get more of them in stock. They definitely will be getting more of them in stock at some point. So you should be able to get your hands on one eventually. It's just going to take some patience. And then if the patient wear, patience wears out, then you might have to uh, pay a little bit more on eBay. Um, if you happen to be somewhere uh, in a city that's maybe, or a little town that's not as um, popular or as visited, swing by a Target or a Walmart. You know, some of my uh, better finds as far as back when I was a, a hardcore Black Series collector were going into little Walmarts in the middle of nowhere in Alabama while I was out driving for work. Um, and sometimes you can get lucky there. So GameStop, you can also check there. Walgreens, some places that you may not expect to have. Star Wars figures will have them. Um, so through all those... You should be able to find one, and like I said, you might have to go the way of fucking the scalpers on eBay, because that's what happens. People find out these stores are getting a new shipment of Black Series, they get there, buy up all the popular figures, and then list them on eBay. So, you gotta beat the scalpers. There was a notorious Black Series scalper here in Birmingham that uh, I ran really? across. Oh, yeah. Ran across this dude after um, Star Wars Celebration in 2017. I was selling an extra exclusive Black Series that I got. And he hit me up on eBay and was like, Hey, I see that you're in Birmingham. Would you want to um, sell this to me in person? So I went and met him out front of Toys R Us and sold him the figure. And he was bragging to me about how he had just gone to every GameStop in the area and bought every one of their exclusive R5-D4 figures. Um, Why? To upsell them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. On eBay. Oh, he's so proud of himself. Yeah. I mean, I guess everybody's got to make a living, whatever, but... Yeah. All right. Next up, we got an email from Mr. Kim. Hello, Halls and Will. I've been a Star Wars guy ever since my mom took my four-year-old butt to see Jedi in the theater in my hometown of Winnipeg, Manitoba. 
I am grateful to have stumbled across your podcast, first hearing Halls on an episode of Steel Wars. I've been listening for about two years now and look forward to your podcast every week. I am pumped to hear your thoughts on some nagging questions I have. I cannot wrap my hand around the following around following the lightsabers through this expansive lore of Star Wars. Do I have this right? Episode 4, Luke is gifted Anakin's blue saber by Ben Kenobi. Episode 5, Luke loses his hand and the saber in a duel with Anakin, now going by Darth. The saber and hand fall down a ventilation shaft, which leads out under a floating cloud city and would presumably tumble into the surface of Bespin, which I assume is compressed gas, maybe some liquid surrounding a solid core. Either way, tough to retrieve that saber. Episode 6, Luke has a new robot hand and a new green saber, which he ignites the heck out of. Episode 7, Ray finds Anakin's saber in a box in Maz Kanata's basement. Episode 8, Luke force projects himself with the blue saber. Where did they lose me? How the heck is the green saber unaccounted for and the blue saber the one that gets passed around like a jug of wine at a hobo barbecue? Is Ben's old saber in a pile of laundry on the Death Star 1 before it got blown up? Keep up the great podcast and ignite the green homies, Kim. So, <clears throat> you got it right. I mean, you have most of it right there. I will say this. I don't believe it's the story is that the Skywalker saber, when Luke's hand got cut off, fell through a, be- a ventilation shaft and then went just out of Bespin. I think it landed somewhere on Bespin. They seem to maybe be kind of addressing this in a Star Wars comic, but it's a fairly new comic, and I don't want to give away spoilers. And also, I was about to say they've hinted at it, but well, it's still pretty recent. Like, mm-hmm. but basically, the the whereabouts of the saber after it's been cut from Luke's hand is unknown until the Force Awakens, right? And they will eventually tell what's happened to that, but. Uh, I think it's safe to say that it didn't just fall out the bottom of Bespin and go floating off. It, it I imagine it landed in Cloud City somewhere. Yeah. Uh, now, as far as Luke's green saber. Um, it's just never referenced again. Yeah, the last time we see it is the night that Kylo turns. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what happened to it after that. It is referenced in the last Jedi novelization as being with Luke's stuff after he dies because the caretakers on Octu go and gather all his stuff after he dies and among those things is his green saber. The film novelizations are not the most concrete versions of these stories so that could or could not end up being what's really going on with that saber but for now that is what we have as far as an explanation. Now, in The Last Jedi, when Luke Force projects himself, um, Brian Johnson explained that the reason he's got the blue saber, the Skywalker saber in that, is sort of, in a way, taunting Kylo. Because remember in The Force Awakens, when Kylo sees Finn with that saber, he says, that saber belongs belongs to me. Yep, he says, that belongs to me. Right. So it's sort of like, you know, I guess reminding Kylo of his legacy and not his dark side legacy, but his legacy as being the grandson of Anakin Skywalker, not Darth Vader. Trying to emulate Darth Vader. Right. 
I mean, he would want it. It's Darth Vader's lightsaber. Exactly. It's the lightsaber that killed every Jedi in the Jedi Temple and the younglings and the Confederacy. Right. So it's um, you could see why he'd want it. Um, but it's also the one that Luke used to. Now, and we definitely don't. Him. We don't know. As far as I know, we don't have any solid answer on two sabers. Ben Kenobi's saber that hits the ground in episode four. Um, you would assume maybe Darth Vader picks it up as some kind of trophy or something, but as far as I know. He does pick it up, doesn't he? I don't, I can't. I, rem- I think I remember him picking it up and then he, he picks up his saber and then he steps in the, or maybe he doesn't pick up the saber, but think, like he steps in the cloak to make yeah, sure. Yeah, he steps on the robe. <laughs> Like, I've always wondered, why does he does, does he think that Obi-Wan just like shrinks down real small? Or has he never seen that? Like, was. Oh, you definitely have to imagine he's never seen someone disappear. Obi-Wan was the first one to force disappear, right? Right. In front of him. Well, no, in general. That we know of. Right. Somebody might have done it before. It might be a Jedi thing we don't know of, but they definitely burned Qui-Gon. Right. Right, and they and the sort of general thinking is this something that Qui Gon figured out and then taught to Yoda and uh, Obi Wan after he died. Um, <coughs> um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much oh, okay. So we don't know where Ben Saber is, which is my favorite um, lightsaber of all time. We don't know where Vader Saber is. Uh, I guess we could assume it got blown up in the Death Star or was in the Death Star when it got blown up. There is that part in um, the first Aftermath book where someone's buying a saber from someone who's telling them that it's Darth Vader's lightsaber and they ignite it and stuff and it's got a red blade. And after the people that buy it leave, someone else is like, was that really Darth Vader's saber? And he's like, I don't know. It was red, wasn't it? So that could be an either or situation. But to me, it kind of leans to that wasn't really what it was. Because the only way he thought it was identified by that was the red blade. And that's not necessarily. He didn't know what he bought or what he was looking at. (laughs) All right. Uh, This next email is from Corey. Halls and Will. This is the podcast I've been looking for. Just heard you guys on Steel Show about a month ago. And now I'm hooked. That's the second email in a row that said they found us because of Steel. Thanks, Steel. I gave you a five-star review and tried to review it on my podcast app, but not sure if it works, so here's an email instead. Guys, there's such little adult, positive, logical, and simple, sensible rhetoric surrounding Star Wars on social media that hasn't got some bullshit agenda, i.e. the fandom menace, geeks and gamers, etc. But then, a ray of sunshine. You two have top shelf humorous banner and ain't afraid to call a spade a spade. And goddamn, doesn't this fandom need that? It warms my heart to hear fans actually talking about <clears throat> about how stoked with what is going on in the fandom right now. Not clickbait horseshit or postulating for three hours about Anakin's men- midichlorian count. I wouldn't be mind if I wouldn't be mad if you did though. Ha ha. Or endlessly picking apart canon that's been unbelievably and fast since lo- fast and loose since day one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A lifelong fan, I feel it's such an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Looking forward to the future. Well, thanks, buddy. That was very nice of you. That's an awesome email. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. 
makes me feel a little better because we got a little bit of an, a mean email this week. Ooh, did we? Yeah, and you know, back in the day, I would read them, and we'd be like, "Well, fuck you too, buddy." And then yeah, a friend but... of ours, um, when I was talking to him one time, was like, "You know, maybe just don't read them. Don't give them the satisfaction of reading the email." So, yeah, right. We don't get them often, but every now and then we'll get something that's a little hostile, and I just don't read it. But this one we got this week was all about how, oh, you guys just like everything. Yeah. You're Disney shills. Disney Star shills. Wars shills. You don't know what real Star Wars is. I was about to say, Disney if anyone Star is Wars. listening to what I say, like, it's kind of, it better be obvious that I'm not a Disney shill. Like, I call it how I feel. If Disney wants yeah. me to cut me a check, I will shill all day long. You know, I will dance for my dinner, or whatever, but Disney ain't writing me no check, so I can have whatever fucking opinion I want, and that's, the opinion you guys get is my raw opinion, and if I like it, I like it, if I don't, I don't, and I'll tell you, if I like it and have, you know, points I want to make in places, I will, I'll do that, and that's what I do here with you guys. Yeah. You don't ever get the bullshit from me. I just feel like it's okay to be predisposed to like something. I'm predisposed to liking Star Wars stuff. Do I, I like everything? It goes beyond Star Wars stuff. Like, for me, too. Like, no, love- absolutely. But I mean in the context of our show. Right. Within the context of our show, like, if it's Star Wars, it's already off on a good foot with me. And then that can either go up or down. And I don't feel like we've been endlessly positive or praising of everything that's come out since we started the show but i do think we probably lean more on the side of liking stuff of course we err more on the side of enjoying star wars than shitting on something we like yeah okay like that's just our gist and there are other podcasts that take a more critical edge and i'm i should be kinder instead of saying shitting on something you like there are some people that are more critical and that like different aspects of it and dislike different aspects of it and that's okay but again it shouldn't be a negative thing that i enjoy something and i also feel like we take approach an approach of i think we both just enjoy talking about the stuff we do like more than harping on the stuff we don't like because when we started this show, we tried to cover everything, books and comics. And not only was that <laughs> sort of unrealistic with us for us from a time standpoint, but there was a time when I just stopped enjoying the comics. So we stopped talking about the comics, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's I think that's just an approach that works best for us. I would rather just have fun and talk about what I do like instead of just talking about what I don't like over and over again. We'll definitely bring up things we don't like, but I don't know. You know, maybe <clears throat> I don't know, maybe that makes me a less intellectual Star Wars fan or a less critical Star Wars fan. But, you know, I what? don't know. I'm, I haven't seen all of Clone Wars and I haven't seen all of Rebels, but I get the gist. Like I still feel like I'm a good Star Wars fan. I've seen oh, I'm enough. Not, I'm not saying I'm not a good Star Wars fan. I'm saying maybe I'm not as intellectual or maybe that's the feeling it gives off that we just like everything. So we're not like intellectual and intellectual or critical or enough, but like, I don't know, man, I just like star Wars. It makes me happy. You, 
It has you, since I was a little kid. Yeah. If you okay, you're listening to a Star Wars podcast. You didn't like the movie. Our reactions are we really like it. We were like these things about it. It was crazy. If you want to hear me go to a movie and then shit on shit on it, like you're gonna have to pick a different movie. It's not gonna be <laughs> yeah. a Star Wars movie well, that I'm gonna, gonna be like come home and be like, mm, that was some bullshit. The fuck that dumb shit. Like and that and look, chop that's it up f- to pieces. Like I that's also, what you do about you know. Is campy we, horror PG thirteen horror movies, or you know, if someone has uh, a problem with a Star Wars movie, I don't have a problem with that person. As long I don't as mind hearing about it. Me neither. As long as it's not a certain brand, like there is a certain brand that I just don't want to hear from. This oh, whole yeah. I know what you're talking. You about. know what I mean? Like, like the true hate. The, like he mentioned, geeks and gamers, the fandom menace. I don't care. Those are idiots. Those are unintellectual people that just want to hate, that just want to complain. If you have a legitimate concern or problem, like we talked about this probably about a year ago, like I love The Last Jedi. It is way towards the top of my favorite Star Wars movies. It's up there. But if you are a Star Wars fan who was going into the sequel trilogy and you were disappointed because you didn't get the version of Luke that you thought you were going to get as long as you're rational about it and you're just like I didn't like it it didn't work for me that's fine that's totally fine Mm -hmm. now if you take that opinion or that feeling and morph that into being shitty and JJ Abrams ruined Star Wars and still harping on it three years later that's when I start to have a problem with it you know I, there's Kathy been Kennedy gets fired. plenty of things in my life that I enjoyed that went in directions that I didn't enjoy. And, and I just thought like, okay, an example of this. I used to love the walking dead. I stuck with the walking dead for four seasons, five seasons. I can't remember how I stopped enjoying it. So what did I do? I just found something else to do with my time. I'm not, and that's not to say it's not good for the people that are still no, into Walking Dead. Exactly. Exactly. Here, it's still got some good points. You know, for me, it was uh, when they beat the kid's head in. When Negan beat uh, Glenn. Glenn. I. Yeah. That was. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that's incredibly gruesome. That's a. They're doing that for like viewership. This must be not doing well is what I was thinking. Well, I mean, it was something that happened in the comic, but I was already checked out. By oh, that I guess point. that's true. I didn't know about the comics, but um, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I had uh, honestly, I wasn't watching by then either, but I remember that being a thing at the time. That's the last thing I remember about the walking dead. Like, you know, <clears throat> different strokes for different folks. Some people just, Get some weird glee in hating on stuff and trying to bring people down. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a reaction to being disappointed in some something. I think that can be definitely, for some people, that can be what it is. It can also just be in a shithead, you know? You don't like to see people happy, so you have to ruin their happiness. Like, Also, I think there's a lot of angst in our generation because... I don't know. I, f- I feel like as a kid of the 80s, 
my parents were like, you can be anything you want to be. All you need is a college degree. Like everything's going to be great. And then I graduated and the economy was shit and I couldn't get a job and I've got all this debt. And I think there's a lot of angst in our generation. Like it seemed that our, we, that children did better for their parents, many generations, you know, many decades and generations in a row. And all of a sudden we're stuck with a situation where we may not shake out better than our parents. And there's a lot of frustration in our generation perhaps. And I think that's manifesting itself in a lot of poisonous vitriolic content online for things that people even love. Right. You know, it could be. And that's a postulation. That's a macro postulation. But I'll tell you what I don't like. What really gets under my skin is, okay, we'll use The Walking Dead as an example. Let's say you and I are hanging out. And you're like, have you been watching The Walking Dead? And I say, ah, no, I gave up on that show a long time ago. I don't really like it anymore. And you're like, oh, man, this new season is great. What I don't like is when someone then proceeds to try and tell the other person you're dumb and you shouldn't like that or try to convince you not to like it anymore. Oh, that's shit. You shouldn't watch that anymore. It's terrible. Right. That's what I don't like is why, like, why can't you just let someone enjoy something? Let them have their own opinion and enjoy it. Right. Like I'm not going to convince, um, you know, someone like I'll give you my opinion on why I like what they did with Luke in the last Jedi, but I'm not going to harp on you about like, no, this is why you should like what they did with Luke. Now, I, if you're being an asshole, if you're being an asshole, if you're being a racist, if you're being a sexist, if you're being any of these things, like you're being a pure shit human being about star Wars, then all bets are off the table. You get whatever people give to you because you're being an asshole. And like I said, there's this big current in the world, in America, where you like, if you don't believe what I believe, then you're a dumb idiot and I hate you. We should move on. <laughs> this is from our buddy, Matt. To end that, we, we, we try not to put hate out there. And I know I've been making fun of, fun of haters. And I apologize to any of the haters out there that I may have made fun of. So I don't, think we, have, I don't wish anybody hate. I was taunting and I was like mocking and saying, some I don't stuff. think we, I apologize. I shouldn't spread hate. I don't hate anybody. And I don't even the haters. You have your own opinions. I don't know that we have like a large contingency of like that brand of hater that listens to us. Maybe, but I know, but I'm I just trying to say, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound shitty. I, I mean, if I, we do, they write us a, a, fucking aggressive email and say they're not going to listen anymore because we just like everything star wars and don't have opinions of our own but see you later don't let the whore the door hit you in the ass on the way out don't let the whore door hit you on the way out that is a fucking tongue slip up right there that's the name of the episode no no (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't look good in the title no No, man. No, that's not going to be the name of the episode. All right. This is from Matt. You should have let me move along earlier. Hey, Halls and Will. One of the hidden pleasures of listening to Blue Harvest occurs when I pause an episode, then pick it up an hour or even a day later and dive headlong into one of y'all's thoughts mid-sentence. This happened again in the last episode when I hit play and heard fucked up version of Krang from the Ninja Turtles but I forgot the context and laughed. Keep up the good work, 
Keep up the good Star Wars reporting and stay weird, Matt Moss. I don't even remember what I referred to as That's a fucked cool. up version of Kang, Krang from the Ninja Turtles. I don't remember. Mm. I know what it was. Belial from those Basket Case movies. Oh. That's what it was. All right. We got one more email. And this is from our buddy, John Orme. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Halls, Hey, Halls and Will. Hope you're both doing well. I came across this image featuring that glorious cockhead Jedi, Kia D, and wasn't sure if this defamation of, of character has been brought to your attention. Oh, my God. And it's got, uh, it's got a graphic, and it says, Proof that Kia D. Mundi caused the Jedi to fall. Um, and he says, Hope you can bring some clarity to the lives of the fools who thought this appropriate. Cheers, Johnny. Please visit the Life Dead blog and podcast at mystarwarslifedead.tk. And this is what the this is the points that are on this image of our boy Kiati Mundi. Uh, he was the first person to deny the return of the Sith after Qui-Gon's encounter with Darth Maul. Uh, that's true. Withheld assistance to Satine, which led to Maul taking over Mandalore and complicated the war. First that's also true. <laughs> that's also true. First accused Ahsoka during her trial, leading her, leading to her leaving the Order and causing Anakin to begin losing trust in the Council. Brought up the droid attack on the Wookiees, causing Yoda to leave the temple. Suggested Obi-Wan go after Grievous, separating him from Anakin. I don't know, man. I think you're... Like, look, there's a lot of fingers we could be pointing right now about how the Jedi fell, all right? I was about to say, some of those were true, and some of those were stretch. Well, they're true from a all certain of point of view. I mean, this From is, a certain point of view. These all happened, but, like, no, it's Sidious that's responsible for the fall of the Jedi. Sidious and Anakin, all right? Kiedi Mundi may have been the most arrogant, but it is not all his fault. I think you could probably i think an argument could maybe be made for that but uh you know maybe if jacosta knew hadn't have been so rude about that planet rude. not appearing in the fucking yeah. database obi-wan would have found the clones faster we can play the what if game all day here that's right? true <laughs> i'm saying if there's medals being awarded for responsibility in the Jedi Fallen. Darth Sidious, he gets the gold medal. Anakin Skywalker gets the silver. Um, I don't even know that Kiati Mundi gets the bronze. I think he gets a participation ribbon. You know? Mace Windu wasn't nice to Anakin. I'm sure that didn't help. Uh, yeah. He uh, also told him to stay put. Yeah. Yeah. I Mace Windu was not nice to anyone. I didn't really ever see him. I mean, just in fairness to Mace Windu, I don't know that I ever saw him be nice to anyone. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Look, am I saying Kiati Mundi is, is a perfect uh, being? No. No, he definitely played his role. He definitely can bear some of that burden on his shoulders. 
But he, him being the only he reason... He did not single-handedly no. bring down the fall of the and, Jedi and order. What he, well, so what if he wanted to send Yoda to help the Wookiees? How do we know that that didn't work out in Yoda's favor? I was about to say, what I mean, what if the Wookiee planet could have been far worse subjugated than it was or decimated? Or what if... If Yoda hadn't been there. Things could have been way worse for Yoda if he was at the Jedi Temple when Order 66 went down. You know, what if things didn't work out so well with Yoda and he didn't get away? Then where would we be? Hmm? Hmm? Right. Who would have trained Luke after he became a goddamn popsicle on Hoth and started hallucinating, seeing an old man telling him to go to the Dagobah system? Hmm? What happens then? So I, I think the Wookiees did need help. And by the way, Kia D isn't like, hey, Yoda, you should go. He's like, hey, man, what about the Wookiees? They're having a tough time now. And Yoda's like, oh, man, I've got great relationship with the Wookiees. I'm going to go help them out. So you can't really put that on Kia D Mundy either. That's Yoda's own damn decision. He's a grown-ass man. He goes voluntarily. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for us this week, buddy. Um, thanks so much for recording. Thanks for recording with me, buddy. Uh, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stone Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't already, and we'll see you next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs>